Hello and greetings. We're glad that you've joined us, and we're very glad that you have an interest in spiritual things. My name is Ethan. I work with the Venice Church of Christ. We're disciples making disciples in the west side of Los Angeles. In Romans 15 and verse 33, Paul prays that the God of peace may be with all of the Christians in Rome. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7, Paul asks that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, to guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to the Christians in Philippi. One of the aspects of the gospel is a message of peace. In fact, in Nahum is prophesied how beautiful are those who proclaim good tidings and often ultimately to provide this message of peace that we have in God. In Galatians 5 and verse 22, when Paul goes through the manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit, he says it is love, joy, and then peace. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and in verse 11, Paul encourages the Christians in Corinth to rejoice, to aim for restoration, to comfort one another, to agree with one another, and to live in peace. And then the God of love and peace will be with them. So why is peace so important? How can we become peaceful people? What does it mean to have this kind of peace? What is this peace of which Paul speaks? Let us consider from Scripture uh, what we can learn about peace and the Christian Peace is another one of those things that uh, people recognize is very desirable. Uh, there's no law against things like peace in Galatians 5, 22-23. People tend to like peace. Who is against peace, after all? Uh, in fact, peace often is associated with prosperity and growth. Um, and uh, a lot of people are anti-war, but very few people are anti-peace. But when we talk about peace... What is generally sought? How is peace generally defined? Most people, when you talk about peace, they want to speak of it in terms of an absence of conflict or an absence of war. And therefore, it's a tolerant type of peace. where It's a comfortable zone where everybody can get along. There's not a lot of room for wrong in this idea of peace. And as long as there's political stability people think that peace exists. But is this the kind of peace that we see in Scripture? In fact, when we look at Jesus and, and his message, we find a very paradoxical form of peace. Now, paradox, paradox are two, is, involves two seemingly contradictory statements that are both true. Uh, for instance, somebody could be winning by losing, or that we have to destroy this house to save it. Okay, so we, we see here <clears throat> Those statements seem to be a contradiction. How can you win by losing? Well, sometimes, for instance, if you're losing weight, you might be winning. Or uh, some uh, sports teams, uh, if they're bad enough, they may be able to get a really good draft pick if they uh, end up losing more. Or to we have to destroy this house to save it. Sometimes um, desperate measures or radical measures are needed in order to, to accomplish something. So those are examples of paradoxes. So uh, Jesus speaks of peace in a very paradoxical way in his life because he is heralded as the Prince of Peace, that he's going to bring peace to mankind in Isaiah 9.6. And this is emphasized in Luke 1.79, 19.38, and in John 14, verse 27. 
But when you read the words of Jesus himself, like in Matthew chapter 10, beginning of verse 34, parallels in Luke chapter 12, verses 51 and verse 53, says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So, this is kind of bizarre. How can Jesus be the Prince of Peace? He says he does not come to bring peace, but a sword. In fact, a lot of people try to point this out as some kind of contradiction in Scripture, as if somehow there's this big mistake. Well, the problem is that, as often happens, when we have statements that seem to be in contradiction or tension like this, uh, we're really being invited to think more deeply about this. John chapter 16 in verse 33, Jesus speaks a bit about peace. And he says that he has said the things he said earlier in the, in the, in the past sections, uh, that in me you ha may have peace, yet in, in the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And we, we get this impression as well in the letter to the Romans. In Romans chapter 2 and in verse 10, Paul declares that there is glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek. And in chapter 5 and in verse 1, that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ because we have been justified by faith. So, uh, there is peace for the believer, but it comes to the believer, and it's in Christ. The conflict or the strife that Jesus is talking about in Matthew 10 is not, for instance, between a man and his God. That, that kind of peace, that sword, is not what, what Jesus came to provide. In fact, uh, that sword existed before Jesus even came. Uh, it's not about Jesus' personality, and it's not that believers are to be marked by strife and division, being uh, warlike people, being always using the sword all the time. No, no, no. Uh, this is the result of sin being exposed. We can look here and see how... Well, if all the members of a household share faith in Christ, and they all have peace with God in Christ, they should have peace with one another. The reason that peace would not exist is because one has lapsed into sin, or there are people who are not in Christ, uh, who are of the world, and therefore bringing the type of tribulation of which uh, Jesus has spoken in Matthew chapter 10. After all, we are told in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 that the Word of God is living and active. Uh, the Word of God is, in, you know, is, it, is this Jesus or is this the Scripture? In many ways you could just say yes. Uh, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. In Ephesians 5 and verse 11, Paul lets us know that the works of darkness do not like that kind of exposure. And so, we need to understand the peace that Jesus brings. And there is peace that Jesus brings. We, we read about this uh, in Philippians and in Romans. That it does not rejoice in error and unrighteousness, because it is in love 
in 2 Corinthians 13. And of course, love in 1 Corinthians 13 is does not rejoice with unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. And so where there is unrighteousness and where there is sin, that peace of God in Christ cannot exist. And that is why there is this conflict that, that Jesus is talking about in Matthew 10 that's going to shake society to its core, down to its most important association, that of family. That the peace that we're talking about comes to believers in Jesus and is not going to exist between Jesus' followers and the world. And we must not be confused by it, nor should we expect it, nor should we necessarily <clears throat> even think that somehow we're going to be able to obtain it. Because as long as we are standing for the Lord Jesus, there is going to be hostility in the, with, between uh, that stand and the way that the world works. So what is this peace that Jesus is bringing? We've talked about what peace means. A lot of people look at it as the absence of of hostility. But Paul wants us to know the peace that Jesus brings comes from something far more profound. In Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 14, uh, first he has talked about the fact that the uh, Gentiles, beginning in verse 11, uh, were separated from God, separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, without hope in the world. And it was a very sad state to be in. But now in verse 13, In Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, whom has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. So there's this hostility that existed between Jews and Gentiles because of the law, which defined a Jew, one of the elect children of God. And by making that definition, by necessity, defined everybody else as not part of the covenant. And that is why you have the Jews thinking very highly of themselves, uh, thinking they have nothing to do with these Gentiles, they are the elect. Uh, the Jews are the elect, the Gentiles are not. Uh, and there's hostility between those groups. And Paul says Jesus kills that hostility because he bore on the cross the, uh, these ordinances and things of that nature uh, to uh, tear it down so that the, that which was dividing Jew and Gentile could be removed. And this is possible because in Acts 10 and verse 36, the gospel is seen as the good news of peace. It's the way Paul, uh, Peter preached it to Cornelius, and that's very appropriate in that circumstance because Peter is a Jew preaching to the Gentiles for the first time. We also see this in Ephesians 6 and verse 15. And the gospel is a message of peace because it allows for reconciliation of God and man through what Jesus has done. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20 we are told that through him God has reconciled to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross we saw in Romans 5 1 that we have peace because we've been justified in Christ we have peace in believing in Romans fifteen thirteen, and so this peace of Jesus is an internal peace the result of reconciliation with God God is a God of peace in 1 Corinthians 
And in First Peter chapter two and verse twenty five we have found peace in God through Jesus. That we and we are right with God, no matter what may befall us, we can still have this inner peace. Our association with God remains unbroken. And we we look at Romans eight, thirty one through thirty nine. If God is for us, who can be against us? If uh, who is to condemn? It is God who justifies. And he says this in light of challenges and difficulties. And so because of that, we can have this peace with God. No matter what happens in the world, no matter how much opposition we may endure, no matter all the things going on, uh, how many foes beset us, we can know that if we are right with God, we can have peace. We can withstand all of the terrors of the evil one, even unto death if we have the peace that comes from being in God in Christ. And as we saw in Ephesians chapter 2, that is not supposed to between, stop between God and us, and, and does not have anything to do with how we look at our fellow man. And in fact, as Paul says in Ephesians 2, that the whole force of what's happened here is that Jew and Gentile, who were once separated, can now be one in Christ. They can have true peace, which is not merely the absence of hostility. Yes, absence of hostility is a way of looking at peace. But the peace that Jesus provides goes far deeper than that. Because you can have two people who have ceased hostilities, but still not like each other, and still seek the harm of one another, to the point where hostilities could very easily be restarted. In this light here, at the time that we're talking here in 2015, technically, the United States and Iran, for instance, are still at peace. The United States and Russia are at peace in terms of an absence of explicit hostility. Uh, on the other hand, nobody would say that uh, the United States and Iraq, United States and Russia have the greatest relationship or that the hostility between them has been killed. No, it's just not manifesting itself in violent forms right now. What Jesus does is something far more profound. He removes the basis upon which people are opposed to each other when they are in him. The whole point of what Paul's saying there is that being a Jew or being a Gentile doesn't matter anymore when you are in Christ. And that's a lesson for everyone, that now when we are in Christ, we are one in Christ. And if we're one in Christ, it doesn't matter what may try to divide us. What we share in that faith in Christ ought to overcome and transcend anything that may divide us. Our language, our color of our skin, uh, how much money we make, our sports preferences, and so on and so forth. That the peace that God provides is this inner peace from the reconciliation within. It is peace that can exist among man. Uh, where the divisions that have caused conflict and hostility have been eliminated. And in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7, it is a supernatural thing that can happen, where God can provide a calming peace that transcends understanding. It absolutely does. But it allows His people to carry on and persevere through very difficult times. And it's something that is His to give, that we cannot... Uh, necessarily qualify or quantify. Um, but those who've had the experience and the moment of having that peace will certainly understand its importance and its value. But it's not just enough for the fact that God has given Jesus that we can have peace through Christ with God. 
and that through Christ we can have peace with each other. Uh, we need to also be peaceable people. It's not just a matter of God giving us His peace. We also must seek to be peaceable people. Uh, our peace needs to be in our hearts and flow outward. Uh, we need to be a, a, a peaceable influence that way. And this peace is to be manifest in the world. We've already seen 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Uh, similar messages in Romans 8, 6 and 14, 19 that we are to be at peace uh, to the best of our ability. In Romans 12, 16, 18. As much as it depends with you, be at peace with all men. Uh, in Ephesians 4, 1-3, we are to put aside divisiveness and all kinds of ungodliness. And instead, we are to pursue after peace. And preeminently, Colossians 3, and verse 15, in which Paul says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. So, yes, we are going to be promoting the gospel in our culture. And that's going to lead to some conflict. It's going to lead to some persecution. But it must not be that the Christians are the ones who are acting in contentious ways, or that Christians are engendering strife. Uh, contentiousness and strife are works of the flesh, not fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. And that's why Paul says that as much as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. And we cannot ever justify a spirit of retribution or vengeance. And that's a very difficult thing, because we are going to be in a argument with people. We're going to be disputing with people. We're going to need to reason with people. And sometimes reasoning and being peaceable are very difficult to, to do together. And it's very tempting to use uh, sensationalist or manipulative ways of trying to, to promote the gospel. Unfortunately, uh, in our culture today, uh, the loudest mouths, the most egregious way of pro putting something, are the ones who get the most press. And so a lot of the least peaceable voices, the most crude, the most shrill voices, are the ones who get a lot of airtime. And that is sad. That is lamentable. It should not be. And we ought to be sorry for it, because that is absolutely not what our Lord and Savior is about Instead, we are called upon to be peaceable. And we need to reflect that peace as we communicate with others. But we are to manifest peace, ultimately, because God has given us peace in Jesus. We can be peaceable people because we have peace with God. We reconcile to Him through His Son. We want all men to find that peace. And we have peace because we have been delivered from the strife of the world of sin. And we should also find our understanding and confidence in God, so that we can find peace from our fears and insecurities, and not project that upon others. We need to remember the exhortation of James 1 and verse 20. The anger of God is not the anger of man, excuse me, does not produce the righteousness of God. Anger, strife divisiveness, sectarianism, these things are not going to accomplish God's purposes. They are contrary to His purposes in Galatians chapter 5. Instead, we must work for peace. Not the peace of the world. Not compromise of the world. Not just tolerance for the sake of tolerance. 
but to rejoice with the truth, not at wrongdoing, that be, being reconciled to God and pursuing His ways, becoming like Him, and not allowing anything in the world to divide us if we truly share in the hope of God in Christ. How many times have we seen Paul call God the God of peace? How can we hope to follow the God of peace, be known to the God of peace, if we ourselves are not peaceable? And that is why it is so important for us to recognize the value of peace and to manifest it in our lives, that just as God has given us peace, that we are to share that peace with others. And we hope that you are encouraged to do so. Maybe you've got some questions about peace, like to learn more about it, maybe like to learn more about Jesus and the gospel, maybe you've got some questions. Maybe you're just going through some difficult times, maybe you need some prayers or something. Just just need to talk. If there's any way I can be of service, please let me know. Please contact me through my website, deverbovitae.com. www.deverbovitae.com. And if you are interested in more about the Venice Church of Christ, please look us up online at venicechurchofchrist.org. We're also on social media, Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Instagram, YouTube, Venice Church, or Venice Church of Christ. We again thank you. We hope that you have a great day.